If there was treasure involved, do you think I'd be sat here talking to you? I've gone for my standing up stance again today, Dan. I'm loving it. Oh, is it because you're that excited about what just transpired? Oh, God, I don't know don't, about... Do not act like that wasn't the best film you've seen in the last two months. Listen, man, you are running way before you can walk here. And <laughs> I, I know you're excited, but I don't want to... Listen, we've got company, and I don't think it's fair that you're you're immediately putting this this energy out there. I mean, listen, I love the energy, I love the enthusiasm, but uh, I don't want you to colour how Mario might feel. Cause... I've got five words to preface this with, and that is Mount Rushmore is a cover-up. <laughs> Let's get into it. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Uncaged. My name is Ben Pollard, and as always, I am joined by my esteemed colleague and treasure hunter, Dan Fisher. And today, we are very, very lucky to have another guest with us. You know him, you love him, illustrated to the stars, friend of yours, friend of mine, former podcast legend, it's Mr. Mario Gambadella. Guys, it has been a minute. How's it going? It has been a minute, Maz. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me on such short notice. I mean, I wasn't doing anything anyway, but, uh, you know, it's been... uh, I'm glad that I got to see what I just watched. Yeah, weirdly enough, that has been one of the fun things about the current climate we're recording this in in the midst of a quarantine is that when you invite someone on to be a guest on your show there are very few opportunities or excuses they have to say no yeah that's true actually you can weed out the liars very quickly (laughs) very quickly um yeah we were meant to have some other guests but uh they literally just moved house and mario stepped up to the mantle without batting an eyelid and God damn, I respect it. Quite frankly, after the comments made about Benjamin Franklin Gates on the last time they were on, I think they are barred from this podcast. I, I, I don't want them back. You don't want them back. No one's interested in their subpar opinions on film after that shit show. Oh my Let's gosh. get into the greatest film franchise of all time. So Mario, before you met Benjamin Franklin Gates in the National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets, what a title, earlier today, I'd love if you could tell me a bit first about your past experience with Nick Cage. Was he someone you've watched a lot in the past of? Well, uh, I'm going to be honest here. This is the first time I've ever seen a National Treasure movie. Ooh. I haven't seen any of them before. Straight to the sequel. <laughs> so I assumed it was a sequel based on some of the... St- things that occurred in it but you know and the big number two in the title (laughs) you puzzle solver (laughs) when i got the text this evening i i had my fingers crossed that i was gonna have gone in 60 seconds i didn't but which it's fine it's it's up there as one of my faves uh and nicholas cage uh i have a Love-hate relationship with him, like most people do. One way of putting it. But um, this was really fascinating to see Nick in this kind of role, not knowing anything about the franchise. I mean, I know little bits about it, but him as the lead in this was very interesting. You've probably picked up already, Maz, but this is one of Dan Fisher's favourite movie franchises. <laughs> Don't full name me as if I'm supposed to be in trouble for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how you can't be enjoying this. Honestly, right now, I've literally minutes ago finished a film and this is the most I have smiled in about two months. I can hear the smile on your face. I'm so happy watching that film. It's so good. I will be honest, I sighed a lot during this film. Oh, you're about to go on the list, Maz. (laughs) (laughs) Not to 
burst the uh, bubble or put words in anyone's mouth here, but I did get a text from Mario about two hours ago saying, Ben, this film is exhausting and I'm not even halfway through it. <laughs> Mario, can you elaborate a bit more on what you meant by it was exhausting? There's, there was just a lot. It seemed like there was a lot of filler in this uh, this film where we're going back and forth from different places that I felt like was a bit Break unnecessary. Next speed. <laughs> Breakneck speed. Uh, when I looked at the the duration of the film, it kind of got me a bit worried, but there just seemed like there was a lot of faff that wasn't needed to me. Yeah, well, speaking of that, Mary, I wonder if you could uh, hold our hands and walk us through this story. What happens in National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets? Okay, well, like I said, I haven't watched the first one, so I'm assuming a lot... <laughs> Of things here. You must have a very unique perspective on this. Quick, quick synopsis of the first one. He steals the Declaration of Independence, finds some treasure. Oh my God. <laughs> That's um, more or less the whole first film. Yeah, so Nicolas Cage's character, he is related to uh, someone who was maybe associated with the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. And the whole film is him trying to protect the name of his family. And uh, we go through this like adventure through, you know, to like America and the UK and back to America again of him trying to figure out basically what happened, you know? Yeah, couldn't have put it better myself. Ooh. This film really gets off to a, a, well, it was interesting because I always thought this was a franchise aimed at kids a lot but we quite vividly see the assassination of abraham lincoln in like the opening two minutes like you see the person point the gun and pull the trigger and moments later you see one of nick cage's characters ancestors get killed right in front of his son it really sets a mood early on that doesn't carry through a lot of the rest of the film i mean look this is a history film, okay? And sometimes history has to get dark to tell you the truth, all right? Yeah. What, there's something that I would love to know. What What did you both learn from this? What What, what didn't you know beforehand about history that you come away knowing? Because this, this film is educational as much as it is enjoyable. I will say what I didn't know is that the, the, the desk... The, in the Oval Office was linked to yep. the one in uh, Buckingham Palace. Buckingham if Palace. That, <laughs> which uh, I had no idea about. I did not know how easy it was to break into Buckingham Palace. Yes! <laughs> Apparently all you need is a laptop and a toilet cubicle. Oh, you do need to have one of those... Um... Oh, and an iPod Classic, of course. The only interaction... What's his name again? Ben? Ben Cage? Benjamin Franklin Gates. Benjamin Franklin Gates is the name of Nick Cage's character. Great. Uh, him and uh, his female friend have the flowers and they just mumble a little bit to divert I a know. maid. And that was it. <laughs> they mumbled. I think he just says flowers, flowers, flowers. Yeah. Wow. Well, getting, getting back to the educational side of this, was there nothing else, anything else that you picked up on in this? Not Nothing um, at all. <laughs> do you enjoy learning about the fact that there were three different Statue of Liberties? Yeah, okay, respect. I did not know that before the fact. Two of them being in France. Yeah. And obviously this whole film speculates around the idea of uh, Mount Rushmore being a cover-up in order to get rid of... With, well, let me just go straight in, because this film is going to straight up tell you that Mount Rushmore is a cover-up. But obviously this is false. Or is it, Ben? <laughs> because they did actually discover a, a secret abandoned record room hidden behind Mount Rushmore. In the real world? No. In the real world. 
before or after this film? I'm not going to read that far because I'm just going to say after. (laughs) (laughs) Almost certainly before, but for the sake of this podcast, after. (laughs) Yeah, they went, City of Gold, there's got to be something more to this. This cage is onto something. But yeah, you can find um, pictures and it's a secret room behind it that serves as a hall of records. And there's pictures of it online and it is honestly incredible. And um, yeah, I just... I don't. I think part of my love of this franchise is just being a bit of a history nerd. But I, I find this stuff so enjoyable. There are some very satisfying sequences. I, I will go on record of saying, although this is the same as the first film, it is a slightly <laughs> better version of it. How excited were you when he uttered the same line about that he was going to oh steal the God. president of the United States? That is <laughs> just such an outrageous logic leap, isn't it? And how great is it that it sets up for a sequel? Do you think it does? Yeah, what's on page 47? Yeah. Oh, shit. I guess we never really find out, do we? W- well, we're about to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Maz, there's going to be a third National Treasure film. Off the back of the second, does that put you on the edge of your seat? So this, when did this film come out? Uh, 2007. Seven. Okay, so it's it's coming up soon then, I'm imagining. We did hope so. I think it's in production. I think um, I read a lot and they say like it's really difficult to write them because they do try and base it on historical accuracies to make it a bit interesting. Yeah. Which, you know, respect, but it does kind of limit what you can write. Doesn't seem to limit them when the kind of places you can get to or the people you can kidnap. No. But, you know, they have to be accurate in some places. They just teleport constantly in this film. They just zip around. This was your this was your problem with the first one, but why do you want to watch someone in real time get on a flight to Paris? But, I mean, come on, there's a <laughs> limit. This is meant to be a film where everything's against the clock. It's already two hours. Was it against the clock? Saying that out loud, I don't really know if it was. It's got quite a leisurely pace to it, hence some of the scenes in the thing. It's not so much against the clock as it is against Ed Harris. I don't know. It felt like, at the start, it seemed like quite a narcissistic mission on oh my God. Ben's part. And then it You've struck gold with that. It really is. I mean, I was like baffled by the end. I was like, so most of the time he was just doing this just to try and clear his great grandfather's name. And then he had to find the city of gold. And then how did that clear up his father's uh, his great grandfather's name? <laughs> Unless the president gives you a newspaper saying, look, look what look what I did. See? What I love about it, it's not even a headline. It's not even a headline. It's, it's, it's such a small segment of this newspaper. because At the end he says, you want to check out tomorrow's paper? And like they're amazed by... They've literally just been to like the city of gold <laughs> hidden under Mount, Mount Rushmore. And they're like, oh, you've got tomorrow's paper? Yeah, that was pretty crazy. But yeah, he hands in this newspaper and it's not a big article at all. It's like a tiny bit on page nine. I will say as well, like Ed Harris was really disappointing in this. I actually kind of liked his... I liked his whole setup. So, so oftentimes, and definitely all I can do is compare this to the last film, <laughs> Sean Bean is the main <laughs> villain, and he has some henchmen, but they are nothing more than henchmen. I liked in this one that Ed Harris's two people with him, they seemed as into this whole thing as he was. Like, they asked questions when they're interrogating people. No questions asked. One of them just jumped into the Thames. And we will circle back to the whole sequence of London in a little bit. Cause oh, boy, God, oh, I've got so much to dissect in that. <laughs> but yeah, I liked that they, they also seemed like on side with him, which made was a refreshing change. Obviously, ultimately, it's all about Ed Harris. He's also, credit where it's due, a very savvy villain, especially in the year 2007, where early on, he's like, they're going to communicate by phone. Let's just steal his dad's Moto Razor and clone it. Wow. 
in some amazing 2000s tech where they literally like scan the entire phone and put it onto another one. Loved that. I have a whole thing about the tech from this time. So Nicolas Cage's character has to get rid of that piece of wood and they have no way of photographing it. So, <laughs> so what they do in a stroke of what I can only describe as genius is they get a police speed camera to take a photo of them and then hack into the police database to to get the photo. Oh my God. That bit is so funny. How convoluted is that? I know. He's like, how did he know that was going to work? He put so much faith in his own ludicrous idea. But this is a man that puts faith in everything he does. You said the word narcissistic earlier, Mads, and I think that perfectly describes Ben Franklin Gates. He's an egomaniac, and they really ham it up at a lot of points in this, where he essentially, to this like ex-partner of his, says to her, like, I'm right all the time. That's why I never ask your opinion. And it's like, they just make him so unlikable in this. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I I mean, obviously, like I said, I haven't watched the first one, so I'm not, like, invested in this franchise. But for me, like, Nicolas Cage seems so odd for this role. I don't know if that's just me, but, like... Right. He, he isn't able to, like, get his cageisms out. Like, there's one scene, like, uh, when he's in Bucket... Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, let's let's set this all up because this is a big section yeah, worth talking is, about. Wow, Dan, you can you can take the lead on this. Oh god. So Benjamin Franklin Gates is trying to create some sort of diversion. So well, he, he's trying to essentially get himself locked up in some sort of. It's like a, a holding cell. I thought it was the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, it may well have been. I thought it was in the gift shop at it, first. It seems wild that they wouldn't just arrest them and take them somewhere else. But e- either way, so they're trying to make enough of distractions. They have this kind of uh, argument where uh, Nick Cage's character pretends that he is drunk. And how does he pretend he's drunk? By imitating Vince McMahon walking down the stairs. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was quite something so he he splashes a load of i thought it was aftershave at first he's splashing it in his neck but then he drinks some but it turns out to be booze he's trying to smell that way and he's got an earpiece in with his little assistant guy riley who really gets a hard hard rap all the way through this but maybe we'll talk about that in a bit (laughs) cage decides to start pretending to have an argument with his ex-girlfriend who has just teleported to be there again quite something once again no, sorry, I'm getting distracted. I just I've got so much beef with Ben Gates. <laughs> did you not did you not enjoy him literally shouting the word haggis in an English guy's face? I know, because he goes on, and if this doesn't end up being in the intro for this episode, I'll be very surprised because it is some prime cage stuff. Like we've heard this man do a lot of voices before, but this was a great one where he could lean into the fact that he is not good at accents whilst doing an accent he is playing someone that's bad at accents whilst being someone that's bad at accents doing an english accent and bloody hell can you remember some of the highlights of what he's shouting oh god um i wrote down a couple you have to give me a moment to find them i believe he starts shouting bangers and maps <laughs> bubble and squeak haggis <laughs> before saying that he's been getting pissed down the pub and oh man it, it was genuinely really funny i really enjoyed that scene because it, it, it's really out of character for the character he's playing, but I it was very Nick Cage, which I appreciated massively. So I had a question for both of you, actually, as far as like Nicolas Cage mm-hmm. like getting prepared, because I've heard a couple of the episodes and how like he goes really in depth with some of his roles, where he will come up with like backstories for some of them. He's the method man. Well, that's it. Like, do you think he was like really invested? in this character. Mm. So this is the first sequel we've ever seen Nick Cage do. 
So that's an interesting question because he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that revisits characters often. That's why he makes these really elaborate backstories for them. So it would be interesting to know how into it he got. I reckon he really likes playing Ben Gates because he gets to kind of be this asshole mm. that just knows everything and it all just works out for him every time. Because I, I felt like that was just a little taster of Cage, but I didn't get enough Cage. You know, like if you just have a starter... And that's it. You don't have the rest of the meal. That's how I Did felt. Did you not think that the uh, the main course was him uh, kind of half singing, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. <laughs> Here they are standing in a row, small ones, big ones, some as big as your head. <laughs> oh, God. That sequence is genuinely terrific. I had a great time watching it, but only because it was so absurd compared to the rest. Well, I mean, come on. What we're talking about, the whole film is perfectly absurd including where he does go on to kidnap the president <laughs> at one point. I genuinely laughed out loud when he explained his plan. Well, not even explained. He just said... Exclaims. Exclaims <laughs> it. By that point in the film, I was like, well, they've pretty much done everything else. I don't see why this wouldn't work at this point. Interestingly enough, I suppose to pad out his character a bit more, we do get to meet Ben Franklin Gates' mum for the first time in this. Uh that was something I didn't know going into it. I assumed she was just a character that was always going to be pushed aside. And it's played by Dame Helen Mirren, which is brilliant. But is this, is he only hanging out with his mum because he wants her to like work for free and help decode mysteries? I feel like he's a shitty son. I feel like everyone else in this film is just there to help him out in some sort of way. Like they don't have any other reason to be there except to help him with this narcissistic plan of his. I, I actually, I really like uh, Nick's mum in this because he hands her the photos to decipher the bit of wood. And although it's a photo of him holding it at a speed camera whilst driving, <laughs> she doesn't bat an eyelid. No. She's just like, cool, I will help you. I will ask no questions. I, I can't remember the exact line is, but she says something along the lines of, oh, this better not be about treasure. And she, she can literally read the language <laughs> saying that it's about treasure. And they're just like, well, you know, it's something important. And she just goes, oh, okay then. And then just reads it and then just does like, well, you know it's about treasure. Uh, this is obviously about treasure. This guy is just so horny for treasure <laughs> constantly. It's knackering. Ben, are you not? <laughs> Since 2007, I've had a hard-on for treasure. Uh, that's the thing. <laughs> On paper, this this would rot my world, but just something about it. It's just, it's the Cage's character. I just, I can't get on board with Ben Franklin Gates because he's so one note. And that's that's why I loved that Haggis scene. What about the rest of the film? Come on, there's so many great moments. So what we talk about the, the very beginning of this, where we get to see Riley at a book signing, where we have one of the most incredible moments of dialogue in any film ever, where a girl comes up and just says, is this a book about the Templar treasure? And then it literally shows the book is called The Templar Treasure. <laughs> What, who? Is this a book about the Lord of the Rings? <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, how, who's, who's written that into the script? He gets such a bum deal, Riley, all throughout this film. Like, the amount of times that he seems to, he seems like almost desperate to sacrifice himself and no one bats yeah, an eyelid. Yes! Oh my God, they won't even let him be the hero because of course Ben Gates has to. So at the beginning where we meet Riley, he's at the book signing and no one knows who he is. They all think that he is Ben Gates and no one cares about him. Finally, when he someone asks if he's Ben Gates, he goes, you know what? Yes, maybe this is my life now. Only to immediately have that taken away from him because his Ferrari's being towed. <laughs> towed. 
Then he meets up with Ben Cage, I was about to call him. Then he meets up with Nick Cage. And then this kid's film suddenly starts talking about that he had to audit all his millions from last time and that he essentially got some dodgy tax deal. And he's back to square one. He's poor again. Like, this poor guy can't catch a break. So quite right. Later in the film, he's desperate to be a hero. And he's like, I'll sacrifice myself. I'll put my hand in the thing that might get it cut off. But like, no, obviously Cage has to be like, no, no, I'm the hero of the story, Riley. Fuck yourself. Why didn't they just shine a torch in the hole? <laughs> that would have been know, so much easier. No, I know. That's the, bit that I, that's the bit that wound me up. There were so many points like with Riley, especially where he is like the most tragic character in this. There's like one point where I think they're on that platform and they have to, one person has to stay there. And he literally she says I could do the maths I know I'm going to be the last one here he's <laughs> <laughs> so beat down but to be fair like of all the people there I I vote for him to be sacrificed if I was <laughs> oh. if I was in that party you know what I mean yeah but he could do all that like if this was a Final Fantasy game he's the one that's getting sacrificed you know what I mean he's getting left behind listen not interested Riley set up his own basic office he's a tech wizard yeah in the in, he set up his own tech like office in that toilet with a fucking iPod classic and a like a Nokia 3210 why have the FBI not hired this guy at one point Maz he doesn't pay taxes he's a Tory <laughs> alright fair <laughs> Yeah, he does get a tax-free Ferrari from the president. How ridiculous is that at the end where he just shows up and they've just left a Ferrari outside of his house with, his, with the keys to the Ferrari on the front the of the... keys? <laughs> I don't know if it's just because of where I'm from, but fuck me, that wouldn't be there. No, that would not be... I mean, it wouldn't be there in the first place, no, well... but it wouldn't stay there. Yeah, well played. Listen, we've, um, we've thrown a lot of shit at this film, I definitely have, and Nick Cage's character in particular throughout it. I think it's time that we... we Bring the mood up a little bit, and actually, well, can we have uh, can we have one more little bit of uh, of Riley beat down? Because I, I there oh, was yeah sure one more dick in the just ring. Because... <laughs> please he he's in it for a kick in. So let's let's go the whole way. But there's the moment where Riley has literally put all of these clues together and has deciphered that this is all related to the president's book of secrets. And there's the bit where he literally is so beat down, no one's believing him, and he turns to Ben and says, "If this was you trying to convince me, you'd have way less evidence." And I I would have already oh. believed you. And you, and, oh. and then it, that's the end of the scene. You think, you know what? Fair enough, Riley. You've got a point. The next scene is literally Nick checking with someone else. Oh, <laughs> so, he's like, I, I wrote the book on this, which I sent you a copy of, and you've not even fucking opened. You're the worst friend. Why do I keep getting wrapped up in you? You're such an asshole to every single person you meet. You just drag them down. All you care about is your fucking family history, which no one's ever asked you about. You just force your opinions and your fucking boring life on people and yes I know you're a hero I know you found some treasure last time I know you liberated some American history and you're related to some very famous and important people but Jesus Christ man leave it alone look at me care about me for once in your fucking life please he is a leech he's an actual leech he's an awful leech oh come on he's not that bad listen man there's at one point where he in their hope to kidnap the president <laughs> of the United States of America far-fetched as that is they come up with a plan and he looks at his dad so his dad who was a legend in the last film he's ground him down to a boring nerd who only cares about treasure he looks him in the eyes and he goes mount vernon and his dad gives him the nod like oh we're going to use the mount vernon trick that we've had up our sleeves all this time <laughs> and essentially it's this like i mean that's another thing were they really trying to book the president's birthday on the morning of it for that night <laughs> 
that's a bit much, isn't it? <laughs> I assumed that some days pass in the uh, in, in in the go between there, but uh, yeah, it was, it was. I know what you mean about the pacing of this film in moments like that. Presumably, they set up this whole secret tunnel thing that Nick Cage lures the president down, somehow gets him there on his own. They set up that whole ruse for that exact specific situation. That is insane. One day, Nick is like, I'm going to have to capture someone of very high importance, but I'm going to need them to love history and treasure and mystery enough that they'll buy into this, even if it's the president. <laughs> like, it's as if he's been waiting for the right president. You know, (laughs) one day someone's going to get elected that's going to fall for this. He kidnaps the president, which, terrifying enough, imagine getting kidnapped by not even Nick Cage, but by Ben Gates. Shudder. (laughs) But then, whilst he's got him alone, he even tells him, Lincoln was my favourite president. No offence. And the guy's like, fine. At this point, he just goes, yeah, same. Because he's like, if I disagree, this man's going to kill me. No one knows I'm here. Yeah, he's like, why should I help you? You haven't given me any reason whatsoever to help you. Like... I'm not going to. Oh. I shouldn't. But he did. Like an idiot. It's about liberty. It's about freedom. It's about the truth. <laughs> he literally locked him up <laughs> to get what he wanted. No freedom here. Well, he, he, he immediately tells him where the exit is and tells him that he can leave if he wants. <laughs> That's freedom. I don't know why I'm being such a Ben Gates apologist. I love it. <laughs> Ed Harris's dying words. He looks him in the eyes and he says, no more puzzles, Ben. <laughs> I, I would, I would Enough have about the fucking puzzles. I would have ben. to disagree. Just let me die. I was, I was slightly confused with Ed's, Ed's uh, character by the end. He was willing to sacrifice himself for finding the the city of gold, even though throughout the entire film he was there to, he was going to use that information to sell it off. From what I remember or what I assume, and then right at the end, he's like willing to just sacrifice himself for everyone else. All these people that he doesn't care about. I think it's more that there was like there was no other choice. He could he couldn't get out, so it may as well. Ugh. It's 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 still very strange, but yeah. If there were no witnesses, Ben Gates would have taken all the credit for that. Come on, he nearly did. He nearly did. All right. Anyway, listen. I've been very mean. Uh, I've thrown a lot of shade the guy's way. And listen, I don't want to bring the mood down too much here. That's usually Dan's job, apart from it's a national treasure film. It's an interesting <laughs> yin-yang we've got when it comes to these films. I was hyped for the ant bully, but here we are. Am, am I, I going to have to step out of the box for this one? <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. But anyway, we'll get to that. First of all, what I think it's really important we do is we all gather around, we all put our hands on Nicholas's secret book, and we all <laughs> say something nice as we please, fellas, be nice to Nicky. I guess these films are something that I would probably watch... You know, if it's on at Christmas, I'd probably keep it on. It's It's got quite a few cool, like, uh, car chases and, like, really exciting action scenes and stuff like that. And I thought, like, all in all, like, Nick did really well in it, honestly. I mean, I think, if anything, because I'm so used to how outlandish of a character he is, I wish I could have seen a bit more of that. But as far as, like, a film, like, front to back, I thought it was pretty good. Oh, all right. Yeah, that's good praise. You've just said you did good. He did good. He did all right. <laughs> I mean, I probably won't watch this film again, but he did all right. Would you watch the, the I was going to say prequel, but just the first film with this franchise? Well, I am, obviously I've missed a lot. I don't know how much I've missed, but only knowing these characters based on the sequel has kind of made it very weird because there's probably <laughs> a lot of characters in this that I probably would like a lot more knowing them in the first film. Like... Nick's dad in it 
I just found him really, he could have just not been there, in my opinion. Speaking of which, I would like to be nice to Nicky and once again, just congratulate him on his dedication to his cause. He doesn't care who gets hurt along the way. And that is highlighted perfectly when him and Riley are in a hotel room in London. He gets a call from his dad to say, people have broken into my house and assaulted me. And... (laughs) He goes, okay, I'll come home. And his dad goes, now nah, I'm all right. And immediately he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Hangs up. Riley says, what happened? And Nick doesn't say anything about his dad. He just says, someone else is after the treasure. <laughs> a leech. He's uh, he's committed. Yeah. Got to hand that to him. Yeah, definitely. I don't know why you seem to think that there's more to life than treasure. <laughs> <laughs> all I'm taking from this is that, you know, Nick's not a leech in this. You're just, you know, you need to be more assertive in <laughs> getting this treasure, Ben. Yeah, wrong. your priorities are horrible. <laughs> if there was treasure involved, do you think I'd be sat here talking to you? <laughs> Dan, tell me how you'd like to be nice to Nicky today. There's a plethora of things that I could really say about how great Nick is in this. Uh, I'm going to bring it down to one scene. Uh, the, the way he manages to converse in French with two clearly not very French people <laughs> pretending to be French also. I literally <laughs> thought one of them was Robert California from The Office, the US Office. I thought one of them was that guy. Did you ever watch that show? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those were not French people no. pretending it then. That is the most American accented French person I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the thing. It, it, it's similar to when we watched um, uh, Captain Corelli's Mandolin and it's that slightly offensive Italian impression. Oh, Naz, you would have loved that. Oh, oh I can only imagine. I've, I've seen that film before. They show you that in schools in Italy, I'm sure. <laughs> going, going back to that scene, though, uh, it was really funny watching that, like, obviously based in 2007 and not seeing a drone and seeing a little toy helicopter that they use (laughs) to get the photos. So yeah, they're flying this model helicopter essentially to look at something on one of the the Statues of Liberty in France. The French police come over because they're like, you obviously can't do that. You're just being very arrogant American people ruining the ambiance for everyone. Nick just goes over there and fucking even the French police, he just starts telling about his family history and American history. And they're like, no, 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 no bring the helicopter down but he's just that charming he just happened to get the one french police officer who was equally as ecstatic about history as he was and they got him to translate for him as well (laughs) (laughs) it worked out so well they even he even gets the other officer to call him a car straight to the airport after he goes how quick can we get to buckingham palace going back to people being leeches in this film uh, his his female uh, female friend I can't remember her name Abigail but she, Abigail. Abigail she takes yeah. advantage of um, the guy from How I Met Your Mother really badly <laughs> like to the point oh yeah because she like oh, he Connor. clearly had thought like feelings for her and he just and she just yeah that guy gets oh, oh it's disgusting so manipulative and you're right this is all Nick's influence they actually might have had something going on there but he's just. There's something about that guy that just people can't help but just do whatever he says. And it's terrifying, quite frankly. It's like a cult. It's like a cult. Yeah, cult of personality. Right, Dan, I'm looking around for something I can make a certain noise with. You got anything knocking around your end? Surely we need the budget bell for this one. This is a great film and it deserves a proper entrance. I don't have it to hand. Right, if you... Oh, you you can go and get it. If you slowly intro to Maz what the next segment is, I will go and get it. Hang on, I'll I'll find something here. I reckon we can... What have we got around here? Okay, right. So, Mario, you might be aware that there's a certain way we really find out the, the metal of these characters that Nick is playing. I think, really, the overarching narrative of this whole 
thing that Dan and I have decided to spend a lot of our time doing, a lot of our time doing, is to really get to the core of who is the ultimate Cage character. Who will come out on top as we pit them face-to-face, one-on-one, in the ultimate battle, in a segment we like to call... Cage Match! You got treated there to a <laughs> pair of scissors against the TV wall hanging bracket. Wow. <laughs> We're rolling out the big bucks. Without you telling me that, I would have had no not, no idea that that wasn't a bell. Amazing. You see what I mean? This is the kind of budget we're dealing with. This kind of big ideas that I get inspired when I watch a film about treasure. So, I think how we're going to run this. Maz, I'm going to put you in the corner of Benjamin Franklin Gates. You're going to be there giving the pep talks between rounds, going to be telling him to aim for the head, to block the body, zig and zag, float like a butterfly, steal some treasure. You know how it is. Yeah. Dan, do you want to go in the ring? or do you No. Want to, do you want to wreck No, you did one? this to me last time. I'm not going up against Benjamin Franklin Gates because it's it's not fair. All right. Well, in that case, I will be... You don't, you don't put people up against family members, do you? You don't put... So, <laughs> I, I don't want to fight against my hero. Watch him as he goes. In that case, I will be in the corner of Johnny the Ghost Rider Blaze, <laughs> who at this point has been near unstoppable. Well, I mean, the premise of the, of this is that whoever's coming in has been unstoppable to this point. Yeah, very good point. I mean, who was it that originally beat Ben Gates the first time? Oh, it was David Spritz. Oh, well, of course, the weatherman. Yeah, ob- obviously the weatherman's going to win, but let's he see... He can no-scope a snowball at an XY from 100 miles, so... <laughs> yeah, very very true. Right, so we're going to start off in Maz's corner with Ben Gates, and I'd like you to tell me how Ben Gates shows you strength and how you would attribute that. What, like physical strength or just like... It can be physical or mental or however you think that he, he he's strong. Take think think of this will. like top trumps, and you've got to kind of give me your rating on, on Ben's strength. You've got to talk him up here. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, he shows both honestly in this film uh in the scene in the the city of gold obviously he has to keep the door open for uh his family to go through and he does show exquisite strength there the mental fortitude of this man who has to juggle people's emotions constantly by taking advantage of them in every single capacity are the emotions juggled or ignored (laughs) he has to (laughs) juggle them for to get what he wants so uh i would say uh he 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 is strong in that regard this is all very good points and there is like you say that moment uh when trying to leave the the kind of city of gold where he's uh holding open the the kind of gate that holds the door open by himself until uh, the whole contraption breaks so i would go in not that i'm taking sides here ben not that i want ghost rider to lose or you know (laughs) i'm unbiased in this whole he will return i am unbiased in this so i would love to know how you think johnny blaze could possibly possibly come up against that in terms of mental strength i think he doesn't that's not where he excels because the plot of Ghost Rider is so unclear, <laughs> there is no one thing driving him the whole way through. Well, the bike. Whereas the National Treasure, <laughs> whereas National Treasure, there is just one thing set from the very beginning. The A to B is very clear, and although getting there is convoluted, you can't argue that a character sets out to do something, and the film is about that. However, if we're talking. In the ring, mano a mano. The Ghost Rider is indestructible. <laughs> he can set himself on fire. He has flame. He has hot. He has chain. <laughs> he has gun. He has. He can whistle and a motorcycle will appear. He can stare into people's eyes and devour their souls. He can grab onto a motorcycle and scream and turn it into bones. Well, you know what? Ben can whistle and Riley will appear. Oh, 
what are the odds that uh, what are the odds that Riley could hack into a Ghost Rider's bike using a PlayStation <laughs> and a mini display? Yeah, he could literally any old bit of technology. If Riley's there, and let's be honest, if Ben Gates is there, Riley's not far behind. Yeah, that totally. does even it up a lot. Oh, because I think on his own, I think Johnny Blaze does take this. But I'm going to give this to Ben Gates with the uh, he, he gets the win with the assist from Riley. Kelsey Breeze. So let's go in right now, and I think Johnny Blaze, Ben, you can take it from your corner on agility. Now I think this one goes without saying. And although <laughs> you know, I'll give some credit. Ben Gates seems to be able to teleport all over the map, but I think you could actually chalk that down to that's just happening off screen. Whereas Johnny Blaze, this man can ro- ride a motorcycle that he summons anytime, any place, anywhere. Not only that, he can ride a motorcycle up walls. He can. <laughs> ride it on water come on this guy's agile and he doesn't even need to dodge bullets maybe this falls more to strength but he just absorbs them he has no need for agility in combat because he is undefeatable but if he needs to get from a to b quickly whether it's up high or across water i think i think that ghost rider would have accomplished finding the city of gold a lot quicker than ben gay these are all very very good points i've got a quick question about them though uh has johnny blaze ever stolen a president <laughs> got interesting interesting um... maz let's go over to your side and tell me why you think ben gates is more agile than ghost rider so this is my point here are you talking with agility are you talking about the character or the motorcycle because it sounds like the motorcycle is doing all the work here exactly they become one ben gates is doing all this stuff by himself do you see how he jumped on that ladder you know when the platforms like going back and forth you know mm. there's no motorcycle helping him there that's very true he's just got his trusty riley <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is Ghost you, you've made a very valid point that Ghost Rider without the bike is a bit of a flannel, isn't he? He's not got much but to he's him. He's never without a bike. He's not even got skin. <laughs> the name. How can you be agile without skin? <laughs> Skin's just wearing him down. <laughs> what holds his bones together? The fire? Ghost. The ghost. Yeah, no. Magic. I think this is a really close one. You have made a great point. In the interest of fairness, I think the first one was very close. I am going to give this one as one all and say that Johnny Blaze can take that. Nice. But again, I, in, this, in the same way we got an assist from Riley in the first, you got a big assist from the bike, and I don't want to hear from anything bike. about either of them going forward. Okay. All right. They're we'll out. Use our trump yeah, cards. That, that's it. Yeah. So we're going to go back to Maz. This is your start here to see if you can take this to 2 1. And we're going to be talking about likability. Good luck, mate. Oh, see, this is difficult. This is difficult because uh, I didn't like him at all in this, but... Um, Maz. <laughs> the the likability factor with him is, I guess, the fact that people in the film like him. There's a reason why they like him. And whether it's the cult of personality or whatever... There is some sort of charisma, I can't see it honestly, but there is some sort of charm and charisma that people like about this character and they they flock to him. So regardless if you like him or not, he has it. He literally kidnaps the president yeah. and becomes friends with the president. Exactly. The president like doesn't There's that there's that absolutely outrageous moment at the end where they go into the airport hangar and um he he goes to to talk to the president and one of the president's security security steps in and just goes Sir, this is the man that kidnapped you. As if he didn't fucking know. He was there. Yeah. <laughs> what a waste bit of dialogue that is. I felt so sorry for Craig, the president's head of security in that. <laughs> All he's trying to do is his job, but the president constantly is just like, no, 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 this 
this man's not a threat, don't worry, despite the fact immediately he gets kidnapped afterwards. Poor Craig. I think, I think Nick Cage wanted to make his life absolutely shit after we saw him in, uh, oh, what was it? Guarding Tess. <laughs> <laughs> shit, where he plays yeah. the president's security. He's like, I know how shit this is. I'm trying to give you anything. Also, the president gets really arsy with him as well, like when they're having the pie and he says like, oh, I don't think I'm going to get lost here, okay? So maybe step back a little bit. And guess what fucking happens? Seconds later. Literally seconds later. Craig is the only person that's able to see through Ben Gates' <laughs> ruse. Still not effective enough, though, unfortunately. Let, but let's move on to see if you can try your very hardest to convince me that Johnny Blaze is at all likeable. <sighs> I mean, listen, he, he is a world-famous stuntman. Mm. He, I think he's famous. He, he's, like, famous within, like, 100 feet of where he is. Okay, yeah, I guess Like, so. let's be honest. Like, no one's talking about it. He's famous enough that he stops uh, a whole motor ways worth of traffic just because he wants to ask Eva Mendes out on a date but obviously after asking she has a husband he does kiss her which isn't <laughs> great but even though he stops this whole road of traffic people still run over to get autographs with him so let me quickly just refresh the uh, the story of Ghost Rider he, every night when when the moon comes out whatever it is he transforms and has no real control over what he's doing and kind of goes on a killing rampage yeah turns, turns into a bit of a vigilante but you know doesn't really have any you know any any reasoning behind it it's never explained why i just i just wondered would you go on a night out with johnny blaze knowing that this is going to happen fuck yes i would hanging out with a ghost rider (laughs) look there's no room on the back of that bike mate (laughs) in terms of night out ghost rider versus ben franklin gates like that is such an obvious choice of course it's goes no no let's be honest he doesn't even go on a night out with the president he hangs out with the president for 15 minutes and they uncover a secret cave (laughs) imagine how wild a full night with ben gates would be his dad's ordering pizza for everyone (laughs) ben do you want to get together we could do like an escape room or something oh my god why is then i'm gonna google this in a minute to see if there's a national treasure escape room anywhere i'm really upset that there's not like a a proper disneyland ride for national treasure because it would be incredible i went on a stag do one time in bulgaria and went on a saw themed escape oh no and it was in the middle of nowhere it was me and just a few other people and there were a lot of very genuine moments where it goes to the very beginning where you get blindfolded and you're just led into a place. And I was like put in, I could feel myself stepping up something and like notice that the sound where I was changed a bit. I got turned around and I was like, oh, I'm in some sort of box. And then I just heard a door shut and lock in front of me. And that's when I went, oh, no one knows I'm here. <laughs> And I don't know where here is. But the thing is, though, if that happened to you, you're locked, you're trapped in this little cell or this box in Bulgaria, and you have there's clues that someone has to try and get you out. Would you rather yeah. Ghost Rider was trying to get you out? Would you rather Ben Franklin Gates was there solving the riddles? This is an incredible hypothetical situation, which I love. But it would, yeah, it would be Ben Gates. I can't possibly two one that. Ben. Although to be fair, Ghost Rider would just burn a hole in the wall and we'd walk out. But Ghost Rider yeah. would be popping wheelies somewhere, mate. He don't care about you. He's not your I mate. I respect the fiction in this case for sure. It would be Ben <laughs> Frankie. I will say that uh, going to the City of Gold uh, did really make me want to go to Universal Studios. Yeah, it got that. I had that feel to it. Like, how uh, great would that be as a ride, though? They've already made the Indiana Jones ride, mate. <laughs> 
<laughs> we talk about they made a fourth one with aliens in it. It was. Do you remember how well that was received? Not as well as National Treasure Two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got no fact to base that off with, but I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll put it on the line and say <laughs> that this was better received than Indiana Jones Four. <laughs> Respect. I'll look that up in a bit, but let's let's move on to category four, and that's going to be appearance and looks. The, the category we like to call Lord of Four. <laughs> ben, you get to go first on this because I think this is going to be a quick, quick death. <laughs> this is money in the bank for the Ghost Rider. He is a walking, talking hench skeleton that's on fire. Wears a dope ass leather jacket which has big spikes that extend out of it he has a motorcycle he screams at to make it more gnarly we're not allowed to talk about the motorcycle anymore that's that's a one point deduction that aside even when he's in human form <laughs> we see sexy johnny blaze taking his shirt off after downing a cup of jelly beans and cage has never been more lean and ripped in his life and you know that as a fact is it cgi though ben <laughs> that is a lot there's a lot of questions about that good point but uh doesn't matter. It was still cool. Maz, I'm going to ask you to do your best here, but I understand this is the uh, the question equivalent of kicking water up a fucking hill. <laughs> Tell me about the redeeming features of Ben Gates' appearance. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> Who would look better in a fucking linen suit? Okay? You've got a point. Ghost Rider looked like shit because it would all be bones just hanging off him. Yeah. The linen would be on fire. Those... <laughs> Those uh, those tiny sunglasses. Yeah, the linen is like it's superb. It's top notch, and he's got a he's got a outfit in every country he goes to. Bearing in mind he goes to two countries, three countries, but three countries. Sorry, but he has like a new suit. Every, also, he had the tux as well in that one scene. Oh, he, does. he was he was he looked fucking lit like. Most of the time, you actually do get a lot more costume changes in uh, in Book of Secrets than we do Ghost Rider. My favorite bit of Nick Cage fashion in the film we watched today is where there's an action-packed bit in a car chase where he stomps the gas and we get a shot of it and he's just in like slippers he's in like loafers that just look like the slippers I wear at the house and I thought respect this is a cash man look um, as, as much as we can talk this through and you have given a great argument there uh, we, we can't really rule out Johnny Blaze on, on looks which means this is a two-all game and going into the final category of Cage uh, I'm going to let uh, I'm going to let Maz go first on this and I want to talk I want you to talk me through how you think Ben Gates and uh, how, how, how are we defining Cage here Ben? It's sort of like uh, moments of exceptional acting like acting that only Cage himself could uh could really pull off. So I want to hear your take on that and why you think that this is the stronger cage. Cage stands for colliding against great expectations. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So obviously the highlight for me as far as like cage being cage is... Haggis. Yes, exactly. Where he is trying, I think either his hardest or he's doing the worst job of doing an English accent. It was a tour de force, the fact that he was able to, in a matter of literal seconds, he was able to engage every single person in that room to what he was, bearing in mind, was probably quite xenophobic stuff. But <laughs> well, this is the thing, right? We've all, all three, we've all lived in Britain for quite a while now. Yeah. So uh, I, I just wondered if anyone here has said the following before. Has anyone here said just a nip? Just a nip. Ben, you said you said that before. Um, only when I've seen someone's breast exposed mistakenly. Okay, right, right. How about a pop down to the pub for a pint? Yeah, I think I may have said that. 
It's all all pretty believable, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Bit of all right. Bit of all right. You ever said that what one? Does he say that? <laughs> yeah. Are you going to detain a blighter for enjoying his whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I've never been given the opportunity to uh. detain a blighter. <laughs> Oh, my that's gosh. It, that's it. Just pop down to the pub for a pint. A bit of all right. Going to arrest a man for that. Going to detain a blighter for enjoying his whiskey. Oh, my gosh. And then, of course, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Look at them <laughs> yeah. all standing in a row. I laugh just thinking about that scene. It's one of the funniest moments he's ever done yeah, in ge- a film. Yeah, genuinely. It was, and it, it's really goofy and it's really stupid, but I, I found it really funny. Re- like genuinely well yeah it, it is really it's a fantastic cage moment um there's not a huge amount of others it is quite a reserved film so we're going to move over to ben you can tell us how you think ghost rider might be able to snatch this one away we've speculated in the past that ghost rider only got made because nick cage wanted it to because it's his favorite hero he has a ghost rider tattoo for god's sake that's only because ben franklin didn't exist before this He'd have a national treasure tattoo if this was already a thing. <laughs> so, but I, I respect that a bunch, of course, that he, he just got it made. But apart from that, there's a scene where he's looking in the mirror, pulling lots of different faces. He's trying to test that because the night before he was just a skull, whereas this one he is he's now a person. So he's looking in the mirror and he's shatting his teeth together. Got his skin back. He's feeling agile again. Yeah, that that's probably the best case I can make for, for Johnny Blaze. It is... It is Nick Cage the whole way through because I feel like he was he had a hand on the ball for a lot of this. It was him helping make this film in a big way and we get a real glimpse inside a teenage Cage's dream. I am going, on, on the reasons that you have just given me there, Ben, you have convinced me that Ghost Rider is fucking awful yeah, and Ben Gates wins. Knew that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That but, <laughs> yeah, big surprise. However... That decision is made knowing that Ghost Rider will return. Shall return. The spirit of vengeance versus the book of secrets. Looking at the films we've got coming up, it may well be a rematch. (laughs) (laughs) I don't see anyone from Drive Angry beating anyone. Well, I don't know. We've still got G-Force. G-Force is going to be... If Speckles wins this, then I'm out. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. And Mario, I can't believe we've been recording for... 50 minutes or so at this point and Dan and I didn't bring it up we really should have said this right at the top of the show I apologise that we didn't bring this up it's a bit embarrassing to, to mention it so late in it we um Dan and I recently have come into a new employment opportunity working alongside the man himself Nick Cage he's uh he's been coming to us trying to get some new employment opportunities he's obviously he's in bankruptcy at the moment so he's trying to just earn back as much as he can through whatever comes his way um We've been hired as Nicholas's Cajuns, and I heard you got a new script for a film you've been working on called, I'm just looking at my notes, National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets. I wonder if you wanted to quickly pitch us your film and see if it's something that might be of interest to our client. I can tell you right now, he doesn't like doing sequels, so you're not off to a good start. He said it was a sequel. This is a completely different film from the first one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we have a character. His name might be Ben, who was in the first one, Ben Gates. But it could we could change that. No, 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 it's not. No. What if we take away his middle name? We'll just call him Ben Gates in this one. Ben Gates. (laughs) Okay, right, right. We're back on board. So uh Ben Gates, like optional. He uh (laughs) is not a treasure hunter, but he's looking for secrets that might 
have treasure attached to them. Oh. Maybe he is looking for some sort of uh, secret, maybe a book of secrets. Okay, I see. Tell me more about this book of secrets. What can we expect from that? How about the fact that every single president has ever had it, and if you did get it, you'd know all the secrets of the United States of America. How about that? This is quite interesting. I I like where this is sounding. What's what's our demographic here? Who are we aiming this at? I think this is going to be a Disney venture. Interesting. But we're looking to... Might uh, might put off some of the tinfoil hats that we're hoping to bring in with that book of secrets. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. We're looking for a big range on the demo, honestly. I mean, uh, Nick really... for. Nick, I feel like, appeals to all demographics, which is why we came to you guys originally. You know, we wanted you guys to have the first look at this script because I think he would be perfect. He's got the charisma, you know. He's done a similar role, but it's not <laughs> the same. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think it'd be perfect for your, uh, for your client. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this. And I've just... Um... Yeah, here we go. I've just opened up uh, $130 million in the budget for this film. Um, <laughs> I was wondering how much you you think we might recoup of that. How well are you expecting this this, this to do? You, do you think we're going to make our money back or do you think we're going to fall short? <laughs> Guys, make the money back in, I don't know if you've heard this word, trillions. <laughs> wow. Easily. <laughs> That's not a figure I a made up. Trillions. That is based. <laughs> that's based on a lot of statistics we've done, uh, based on the uh, the the story that we've come up with for Nick. So I mean, right, I'm going to come straight now. This is brilliant logic. Uh, I can tell you now, the worldwide gross of this film was just shy of 460 million dollars. Oh my god! Almost it's half probably the most successful, one of the most successful films he's ever made. That kicks the shit out of the last one. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. wow. But this is why I don't understand why you're not on board with it. These are clearly great films. If it made more money, it's a better film. The next puzzle I'd like Nick to solve is oh. how the hell that happened. I, <laughs> this upsets me that this is potentially the last we're going to see of Ben Gates for a while. And Ben, I really think you should have taken more from this. I feel like you could have. You really should have been able to grow with this character. I thought. I thought by the end of National Treasure Two. I thought you'd be on his side. I really did. Well, listen, I'm going to be spending time with him every single day as long as he stays in the cage match. So I'm sure I'll get I'm to going to be. I'm going to be doing my best to make sure that happens I'm forever. I'm sure it is. Right, I've had enough talking about this asshole in his stupid film. <laughs> Mario, thanks so much for being on the programme. We really appreciate your time and for jumping in last minute. Dan and I definitely have a bad habit of talking over the top of guests when we have them onto the show. So to fix that problem, we've dedicated a new segment to you specifically. It's called Gone in 16 Seconds and you've got 16 seconds to talk about whatever you would like to talk about and your time does start now. Um, well, I just want to say thanks to both of you. I had a really good time. I probably won't watch this film again. But uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm an illustrator. My t- handle is at Maz Gambardella, M-A-Z-Z-G-A-M-B-A-R-D-E-L-L-A. I'm sorry, Maz. We were after 50 cars, not 49 thanks and a half. Thanks so much oh, for your time, God damn it. It's very, very interesting. <laughs> it will remain a mystery for quite a few years. I'm sure what the rest of your Instagram handle is, but I'm sure I know a man that will crack that case in no time. <laughs> Daniel, thank you so much for your time. A pleasure as always. Always, pal. Mario, genuinely very, very wonderful to have you on the show. We appreciate you and your fascinating insights onto this fascinating movie. Thank you and uh, sorry. I I had a really good time. I mean, it's an interesting film. 
I don't, I'm not a big fan of this genre, I'll be honest, but I had a really good time watching it and talking about it with you guys. Nick? Nick? Great job, Nick. As per usual, one of your most lovable characters. It's great to see you finally breaking the, uh, the no sequel rule. Hopefully we'll get to see the, uh, the, the third in the trilogy. <laughs> absolute fair play mate what a, what a legend and Maz as you know we end every show here the same way I'd love if you could sing out that beautiful catchy catchphrase for us despite all my rage I'm still just a man watching Nicolas Cage we were actually hoping for the one about the coconuts <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> goodbye everybody bye bye